welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, John Allen, also known as Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer... Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And our techno-mage... Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. We've got a really big show today, so Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Clapper at the Area 51H. And you can find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a half. Okay, we've got a lot of things to talk about, but first, here is your spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So, three big movies kind of came out all at the same time. And I know you guys didn't get to see all of them. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it has been kind of a thing where a lot of films came out very quick fire succession. I just haven't had the time. No, I know. I really had to plan it and and go out there to try and see them. So I saw Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Going to talk about that a little bit first. Uh, let me just say it's not quite as good as the original Shazam. Somehow, I did not see the trailer that showed Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. So when she showed up, I lost my mind. <laughs> I just completely lost my I don't mind. Know, I don't know how you missed that. I was trying to not watch because these trailers. Because I don't like and... to watch trailers, Nick. I Because it, it's, either they tell me too much or they're not good or whatever, right? Like, I just need a taste of the movie. So, of course, Helen Mirren was spectacular. Of course this, she was. Right? The only thing is that there was a lot of... Um, the, the script seemed a little disjointed, you know, because I think they were trying to tell two different narratives and three different narratives, and it got a little muddy, but as far as the acting goes, it was really good. You know, like I, I love Grace Carolyn Curry as Mary. And I want to see more from this actress. So she is actually in a movie called Fall with Virginia Gardner from Halloween 2018. That's the babysitter, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the babysitter. We both loved that character. We love that actress. So they're in this movie called Fall that I it's on I think it's on Netflix. So I really want to see that movie. I've because heard about I, it. I want to see that. I, yeah, I really like those two actresses. So I, I want to see that movie. The story in Shazam is really pretty simple. Um, Atlas's daughters are kind of peeved that their father's power was stolen and it's been given to a child. And they want it back. I can see that. And that's pretty much all you need to know. And of course, the Shazam family does the thing and it's this whole wonderful thing about foster families and all that kind of stuff. It's an enjoyable movie. You're going to like it. I don't know what's going to happen with the whole DCU. So stick around for the, for the stingers at the end, but nothing might come of them. We don't know. The other movie I saw that you guys didn't, John Wick 4. Ah, the completion of the trilogy of which there are four. Um, it's, it's a John Wick movie. What can you say about it? It's full of over-the-top ridiculous action, yep. which I, I know in past podcasts I have said, I don't like action movies for this very reason. Unless it's John Wick, because the choreography is so amazing in these fight scenes. The the thing, okay, so not seeing John Wick 4, but going off the other John Wick movies, they aren't just good action films. They're pretty movies. Yeah. They look gorgeous. Yeah, and they're, they are so much fun to watch. But what took me out, there is something that did take me out. They do this in movies all the time, and I don't know why they do it. Because you sit there, even if you are a hardcore action fan, there's no way that you can't sit there and say that 
a person could survive these massive falls where they hit something and they bounce off of that and they fall down. Like, he'd be dead. And, you know, you and I have conver- I've talked about action films and I've told you why. I like the action films where they're big and bombastic because they don't take place in this world. It's a different rule of physics. Yeah. The problem I have is where it's a more grounded, realistic action action movie and they still do stuff like that. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like I can watch the fa- the Fast and Furious movies all day long and do the the stupid physics defying crap that they, they do in that because that's that world. But the but, problem but the problem is because you haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And massive spoiler alert. So we've already issued that. Massive spoiler alert. John Wick dies. But not from that freaking fall? Are you kidding me? Like no. I mean, I'm sorry. No. Now, I've given that Saying, oh, no, John spoiled the ending. John Wick dies. Or is he dead? We don't know. I'm going to say not because they're already talking about John Wick 5. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's just like one of those ruses. But, you know, Ian McShane is so good in this. Ian McShane is great. You know, and um, Lawrence Fishburne is, is awesome. And it's just, it, there's so much fun to watch because it is nonstop action, right? Like, yeah. you, you get those, those moments where he has to, you know, and... The acting in it is fantastic, which you normally don't see in a lot of action. Well, yeah, that, like that's the thing is like these movies have been spectacularly crafted with great performances, great actors. Like I remember John Wick two seeing Peter Stormare. I'm like, oh my god, yes, yeah, um, because anything he does is fantastic. Yeah, and Bill Skarsgård, yeah. is, as the the big bad villain, he is he plays it so deliciously because he's actually what a lot of these villains tend to be are self-absorbed, arrogant cowards. Yeah. You know, like he's supposed to have this, this duel with John Wick, but no, no, he puts his second in. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's fabulous to watch. I, I I know that some people are kind of like, one of our friends is a little bored with it. And I'm like, you watched it wrong, man. Yeah. Like, And at the end of the day, like, I'll pretty much watch Keanu. At this point in his career, I'll pretty much watch Keanu Reeves do anything. My recommendation is, like, if you've seen the other John Wick movies, go see this. If you like, uh, like, Shazam movies are fun for the family. Um, they're, they're not overly great, but they're not really bad either. Like, I mean, Batman versus Superman was not great. Other than having Gal Gadot in it. Yeah. And Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Um, but I, I think that you would enjoy it, right? So yeah. uh, if, if I think you're going to enjoy a movie, then I'm going to recommend going to see it. Um, we're not here to tell you whether you should like a movie or not like a movie, but I think people will like these ones. And on that note, Nick, it is time for your pop culture roundup. All right. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, number one, we have confirmation that they're do- that Disney is doing a live-action Lilo and Stitch. Uh, okay. And they've cast a young girl called Maya Kialoho as Lilo. Mm-hmm. Looks the part. Really looks the part. Um, so happy for her. I'm hoping it's good. We'll see. Yeah, don't don't anybody come at me for this. This has nothing to do with it. I, I love representation. I think it's great. I just have to make the comment. I don't care, Disney. Stop with your... Your animation is spectacular. Your live-action versions of those animations are not spectacular. 
Could you stop doing it and come up with something new? There are fairy tales out there. Get back to animation. Get back to telling us those stories. Get back to traditional animation. I would love to see an old school, well, not old school, but like a traditional Disney animated but film. they can't do it. Uh, you want, you want, uh, let me tell you why they can't do it. For Mary Poppins Returns, they sat there and said, we're going to have this animated sequence because it's in, like, they had a Mary Poppins, you know, penguins dancing mm-hmm. and supercalifragilistic, expialidocious, all that great stuff. They had they said they go, great, we're gonna do this. And everyone went, We don't know how to do that. And so Disney had to go out and find these old retired guys to come back in and do the animation sequence for Mary Poppins Returns. Huh. But they've all moved into doing it through computers and everything, not yeah. the hand-drawn. And that was the problem. Right, is that they they didn't have, and they, these guys were old, and they're like, yeah, we can do this, and they did it, and it's, it, it's spectacular. It's probably one of the best scenes in Mary Poppins Returns. So, I would like them to get back to animation. I think they can do it, but I don't know how they're going to do it because I really don't like the computer animation that looks the same no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Vecna himself. Jamie Campbell Bauer from Stranger Things has been cast in a remake of Witchboard. Okay. Yeah. I, as far as it goes, I've only seen Witchboard a couple times. Remembering that main villain from Witchboard, that's a good casting choice. Yeah, Julian Sands played it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good casting choice. And as that, like, he played creepy, really. Like, even though he's got the prosthetics on, he played a really good creepy SLB as that. This is one of those ones that. Uh, Witchboard is kind of, kind of in the cult status yeah. of horror movies, so I think that it could easily come up to a remake. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, um, I think it's a movie that has a really good premise that could work with a an update. Yeah, I think that's fine. Taking doing a remake of something like that's fine. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm. I would like to see Jamie Campbell Bauer doing more. Mm-hmm. So I am all for that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I I guess we'll wait till they can release a trailer and we'll trailer trash it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, E3 has been canceled this year. Okay, before we get too far in that, explain to people who may not know, what is E3? E3 is the big video, video game convention where all the big companies announce all their new uh, projects for the year. That is huge. Why has it been canceled? Everybody pulled out. Everybody. You got Nintendo, you got Sony, Sega, Microsoft, every all the big companies have pulled out this year. Wow. Did they say why? There hasn't been a, really a notice given, but the fact of the matter is is I think a lot of these companies no longer really rely on E3. Like if you look at Nintendo, they do a Nintendo Direct every few months where they announce their upcoming projects for the quarter. Sony just announces their their stuff regularly. So I think maybe E3 is now kind of defunct. Well, we'll see what happens. This was supposed to be the first in-person one since the pandemic. So that's also another thing. Like, I think maybe during the pandemic, the the company just decided we don't need to do this anymore. And even then, prior to the pandemic, uh, Sony would back out every so often. Nintendo would back out every so often and all that. I think this is just... Kind of the natural conclusion for E3. Well, there's a lot of restructuring going on in the corporate America, especially with Hollywood and yeah. everything else, right? So, But the more you restructure like this, the more it leaves your fan base going, what do you got? What, what's going on? What do you do? Well, I don't know. Like, what? 
And that, that's kind of the thing. I feel like the companies are looking at their bottom line over the experience because you could go to these conventions and but, you could try. But they the don't new games. care about our experience. They care about their bottom line. Yeah, I know. And that will, in my opinion, hurt them in the long run because well, like maybe like, it should. Yeah. I mean, look, look the I, I stopped at the PS3 because it's just unaffordable, you know, for me. Like uh, our friend Tim, he wanted us, he wanted me to to get a PS5 so I could play a, a, an online game with him and the other guys. And I just went, I am not spending like close to $700 that I don't have just to play one online game with you guys that I'm going to hold you back on and suck at. <laughs> yeah, I played that game with him. You suck at it. Mm-hmm. There's no other way around it. It's just the type of game where you suck. Yeah. It's like golf. No, I, <laughs> I would I would suck. I would just be like, well, they, uh, John's parachuted down into the middle of... Oh, he's gone. Okay. Yeah, I... <laughs> I suck. I've played it. I suck. It's terrible. Uh, I, I just don't have that kind of money. So, I mean... <sighs> yeah, I, I get that. And, like, here's the thing. Once you've got the system and you've got the peripherals, you've got an extra controller, you got a headset, all that stuff, it's going to cost you closer to $1,000. Yeah. Might as well get a PC. <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> You, the PC master race. Ugh. All right. <laughs> well, with that, it is on to our main topic, and it is a delicious one. This is one that speaks to uh, pretty much all generations at this point, I, I'm thinking, you know, from boomers like Ren's parents to Gen Xers like me to millennials to now, I think, Gen Z even. Yeah. And that is... Dungeons and Dragons. D&D. Yeah. Now, let's start off because we all yesterday went to a matinee of the movie. Yes, we did. So, so let's issue a second spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I really enjoyed the film. So let me just say that I am kind of newer to Dungeons and Dragons. I've only been playing within the last couple of years. Um, I've only played a few campaigns, but to go and sit down and watch that movie and it felt, watching the movie felt like a campaign. It felt like the campaigns that I've been involved in where it's less Lord of the Rings and more Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, It's a lot, it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. I, I had to look at it from a very different view because it's been, years since I have ever played Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I was probably like 16 or 17 the last time I played. So for me, I was just looking at it as a movie. It's not a great movie. It's a it's a great D&D movie. Don't get me wrong, but it is not a great movie. Now, the reason I say that is one. The budget was low. Comparatively, for Comparatively, for, yeah. ho- for Hollywood, it was a low budget, and it showed. Yeah, there was no way that that axe was real at all. I you, and you could tell that the costume looked cheaper, the sets looked cheaper, everything looked cheaper because I think that most of the budget goes to Hugh Grant, Chris Pine, and Michelle Rodriguez's paychecks. Yeah, um, there were pacing problems. Especially at the start. I was saying to Ren while you were getting your drink that part of the problem was you can beat a joke to death 
And they took this really long time at the start where they kept referring back to Jonathan, to Jonathan. You really, Jonathan's not here yet? You know, and I'm like, okay, now it's starting to get annoying. Three is kind of the rule. Yeah. And they went about five, six, and then Jonathan shows up. And by the time Jonathan shows up, I'm like, I don't care now. <laughs> you know, and there was this sort of huge kind of backstory that kind of plotted. The script was a bit disjointed. Um, the special effects weren't great. It kind of felt like, um, it's kind of felt like something they did about 10, maybe even 20 years ago. Well, before the movie in those preview things, they did say they were trying to bring it back to the eighties and did a lot of the, um, prosthetics and a lot of the, so like, which is a mistake. I think I don't. So here's the way, here's the way I look at it. Um, I like they had CGI in it. Of course they did because some of the stuff needed it. Yeah. But they also used a lot of practical effects, a lot of costumes, yeah. a lot of animatronics, which was and great because they, they they blended well. To me, this to me what I saw with this film is what the natural evolution of the old sword and sandal films would be today. Ah, uh, but I can name a number of those that are even better than this. Conan as example. We we just talked about these movies on our last podcast. A lot of those ones, like I can tell you dragon movies even from like um which I can't believe is 20 years old now. Reign of Fire is a better dragon movie than than Dungeons and Dragons. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to harp on that. I've said the reasons why I don't think it's a great movie. Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. Once it got going, once it got past the plotting problems, I enjoyed it. Part part of why I enjoyed it is because you had a great cast. Yeah, yeah. You the, know? the entire thing hinged on the cast. Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez really sold those characters. You and I have talked about on this podcast how unbelievable it is to see like some skinny little waif of a girl take out Andre the Giant. Yeah, you know. But with Michelle Rodriguez's character, you can, you can buy totally that. buy into the fact that she's this warrior woman and she can do all of those great things that she did. And that's kind of the thing with like that's kind of the the good thing that they cast Michelle Rodriguez because she is she has been she spent the past twenty five years cultivating that image. Yeah. So yeah, perfect casting. Well, for that. but she also bulked up. You could see that. Yeah. I mean, like she she was huge. She. She is totally a barbarian woman. You can see that, right? And yep. it's like, yeah, of course. And they Bradley Cooper has a nice little cameo in it, which I... Very, yeah, a nice little cameo. Which I didn't expect. <laughs> um, and for me, this was everything. They didn't capitalize on it enough because... And that was seeing the live-action representation of the cartoon from the 1980s Dungeons & Dragons which aired on Saturday mornings and had a great voice cast, which Ren has pulled up for us. We have Adam Rich. We have uh, Don Most from Happy Days. Adam Rich was from Eight is Enough. We have Willie Ames from Charles in Charge. Uh, these were all big kind of actors at the time. Ren, why don't you read us some of the other ones? Um, we have Frank Welker, Katie Lee, Jennifer Darling, Peter Cullen, Sidney Miller... Yeah, but Peter Cullen, I want to mention, played the bad guy. He played Venger. Oh, he played Venger really well. Just talking about Frank Welker and Peter Cullen, like those two are uh, voice acting royalty, especially in the 80s. They were everything in the 80s. Yeah. Frank Welker 
what is the man of a thousand voices even this yeah um he played megatron in, in transformers he played freddy on scooby-doo uh he was in every like there was i don't think there was an 80s cartoon where you could not find frank welker yeah and one of my favorite bits peter cullen optimus prime peter cullen did the voice of the other mogwai like not gizmo but all the other mogwai and frank welker did the voice of the gremlins which i I think that's really neat Uh, you know but that's what i mean that cartoon is better than this movie I, I, I can guarantee you that. And I'm, that's not nostalgia on my part, because sometimes I rewatch something and I go, why did I ever like this? This is crap. But I have uh, seven episodes on DVD that I found somewhere and I would like to find all of them. And I just went and I rewatched it recently and I went, this still holds up. This is still really good. And let me tell you, the the end credit score has been done by people like Andre Ryu. It's been done by... Really? Yeah. like It's been done by all kinds of, of symphonies because it is that rich and beautiful of a score. So it's just one of those things that, like I said, so I thought all we were going to do is see them in the background, right? And I saw them and I was like, oh, that's great. There they go. You know, like running into the maze. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. But no, there was more than that. We saw them two, three times. And this is what I mean by the missed opportunity. So the, we are the heroes that we're following catch up to the heroes from that cartoon, but they're in a cage. Chris Pine opens the cage and then closes it again. For whatever reason, I don't know. This is the bad part of it. And I'm just like, okay. And then the movie goes on. I'm like, okay, so what happened to those guys? Because you can't kill them. Trust me. You cannot kill them. You cannot do something goofy with them. Because I would riot. <laughs> I would get everybody from the 80s my age would totally riot. So they missed an opportunity because they could have had them still in the cage as a stinger mm-hmm. and have Vengers show up with them trapped in the cage. That would have been everything for me. And yeah. I would have just loved this movie even more. I did like the movie. I'm not going to say I didn't, but you have to get past those plodding, boring points the at first, the start. The first act, I will agree, the first act was a problem. Yeah, once they got going into the quest, it was great. And acting-wise, uh, Hugh Grant's never been my favorite, but Same. this was Hugh Grant getting a paycheck. He was having some fun, sure, but his performance was nothing more than it's like, I haven't acted in a while, I need to pay bills, great, let's go. Um, Chris Pine is his usual charming self. Mm-hmm. Michelle Rodriguez is always fine. I I like everything. And she always does stuff that is, is good for her. Yeah. Um, and that always works out. And I like the diversity of it. Overall, overall, I think people should see this movie in theaters. I think that the big screen adds something to it. Yeah. Uh, before we move on into the rest of the D&D, Ren, why don't you tell us about some of the actual references in the movie from the game? So I haven't done a lot of... Uh, research on the Forgotten Realms world that this is set in, which is also uh, the fifth edition is set in it. But I didn't recognize a lot of the names and a lot of the places that they went. The design of the Underdark was amazing. Uh, I don't really like that they made it um, really like lava filled and stuff. Right. because. But I guess it that was like a gnome city. And I always thought Underdark being Dark Elves and the Drow and the Creepy and the... But... It was, you know, we'll, we'll go with it. Um, I couldn't tell if Holga's ex-husband was a gnome or a halfling. 
I actually had to look yeah, that up Yeah, didn't afterwards. we discover he was a halfling? He was a halfling, but I thought he was a gnome. And yeah. I was like, I don't Gnome he was not. Didn't see, no. The amazing work that they did with the spells, like the frost touch and the major image, were just so good. And the use of, like, the frost touch, I found that hilarious. She turned her finger into ice and stuck it yeah. in the tea. That was, oh, just, that's what we use it for. I want to speak to that for a minute, because da- Daisy had, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic as the Red Sorceress. Oh, my God. I, I think she was, like, the standout. She yeah. was amazing. I absolutely loved her. She looked like one of the Olsen siblings, though, and I was convinced that she was, because she looked like um, one of the movie Beastly. Mm-hmm. There's, a like, a witch character. Right. They look exactly the same. But the I can people look exactly the same. I can totally see people cosplaying this, and I can totally oh, see yeah. them cosplaying her. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, Anime North fan, uh, fan Expo, they're going to be just full of cosplays. Yeah, my only big thing was just like, I don't know, I like my tieflings more demonic than what uh, Doric was. She only really had the horns and the tail. And she did use her tail, but I was like, hmm, you could have gone really over the top with this tiefling. That's kind of the thing that kind of gets me, right? Because like they did these things where you were supposed to grab something. I didn't even notice she had a tail. That's what I mean by it's not a great movie. You know what I mean? Like structurally, it's not great. Yeah, you could see it. Like she had yeah. it, but it's it was a small little one. I guess she was more of a human than the than the demon. Yeah. But also the lich designs, oh my god, because all the, the red mages were all liches. Oh, they were beautiful. And when you saw like the image of the one in the shadows with the mask yes. on. Oh, so I do cause I uh obviously cosplay and I cosplay as a character from the adventure zone who is a lich. And I really have to up my game now because I feel <laughs> pretty sad. But my my original Lich design was like the one in the shadow. So I feel pretty hey, good about it. Can we that, just but. mention Pudgy Dragon? Oh, Pudgy I Dragon. Love, oh, I love the, the chunky game. boy. The chunky boy. I think that, you know, the fact that they leaned into comedy was actually a good choice. That I was love, a really my good favorite choice. line was when those brain things walked by and they're like, well, that's insulting. I said to your dad, <laughs> I said to your dad, because I was sitting next to your dad during this, and there was the scene where, I don't know what the species is, but they're cats, basically. Tabaxi. And I had no idea why they were freaking out over this giant fish. And... Apparently, the giant fish had swallowed one of her kittens. That's why she was freaking out, and that's why everyone was freaking out. And so this fish horks up the kitten. And I turned to your dad and I said, well, that is now officially like the weirdest thing I have ever seen. (laughs) And your dad said, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. And then a wagon full of pumpkins goes by with open teeth, and they're licking their lips, and I'm just like, I stand corrected. <laughs> and then the brain creatures, and yep. I just went, okay, I'm out. <laughs> they, those are little minions of the mind flares. Yeah, so I, that was that was. So it's bizarre. all under dark weirdness. It's one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite things about the movie, uh, and I constantly kept leaning over to you to mention it. Um, anytime Holga, which is Michelle Rodriguez's character, she's not overly smart in the film, and every time she does something kind of dumb. I kind of I ran, I leaned over to Ryan and said, "Well, she rolled a low wisdom stat. <laughs> wisdom is the dump stat for barbarians. They don't need it. Yeah. Like, come on." Um, but also, just one of the most beautiful things that I saw in it was the uh, the example of the bardic inspiration. Right. So when he starts singing, and then all of a sudden, just like the whole mood changes, and right. like Holga was like, "Oh no!" And then all of a sudden, just got into it. It was so beautiful because that's 
what it what it like how it should be portrayed there's no magic to it it's just yeah. the bard is like we i can do this yeah, thing and, and you know the nice thing is it, a movie like this is so organically diverse right like it, you don't have to force it into it or anything like that you just accept the fact that you have people from different backgrounds playing these different characters and it works mm -hmm. and it works so well um, which makes me want to actually bring up the point back to the 80s cartoon Dungeons and Dragons. It's the first time since, I think, Josie and the Pussycats that they actually had a person of color as a main character, the acrobat. And she was voiced by a woman of color named... Tanya Gale Smith. Yeah, and it just did a beautiful job. And that kind of bothered me a little bit in this movie is the fact that I could sit there and I said, okay, great. There's the barbarian, there's the ranger, there's the cavalier, there's the... The thief, there's the the wizard. I didn't see the acrobat. She must have been there, but I didn't see her. Yeah. You know, so whether or not they it was an editing thing or whether they focused on it or whatever, but that to me was kind of a mistake. As much as I loved seeing those characters, but those characters have appeared in a foreign television car commercial, which was a spectacular car commercial. You can look it up on the internet, and they appear in this movie. So that tells me. I want to just shake somebody in Hollywood that there is an appetite for these actual characters to do a live action Dungeons and Dragons cartoon movie. Do it. Do it. I want to take a second to just talk about one of the writers and directors, John Francis Daly. Now, John Francis Daly is also an actor, uh, most known for doing Freaks and Geeks, and he played Sweets and Bones. Uh, he also uh, wrote and directed, well, he, he wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, and he also wrote and directed the most recent uh, Vacation movie with Ed Helms. Oh, I just I just think it's neat. Writer. Yeah, I think it's neat that, oh, and Horrible Bosses as well, which I think is probably one of my more favorite modern comedies. Um, I just find it interesting how this guy has gone from an actor to just, and he plays, he plays D&D, and you can tell he plays D&D from this movie. How he's gone from an actor to playing to being a director and writer for this really nerdy movie. I just I just love that. I love that. Um, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed the movie. Again, Act One was a problem, but eh. well, whatever. Um, but you know, here we are talking about properties that came from the game. So I think now is the time. Like, let's get into the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, and man, okay. So just so our listeners know. There is a long history full of minutiae for Dungeons & Dragons. I'm not going to go over everything. We're not going to go over, over everything. This if is you... not the University of Dungeons & Dragons, and we are not your professors. There's tons of videos on YouTube. There's tons of articles online. We're going to try and boil down nearly 50 years of history into this so let, let's go 50 years i feel attacked <laughs> well okay not quite it's 1974 it was first published in 1974 it's created by gary gygax Ernest gary gygax uh based off of a game that he had previously created which was based off another game that he played um <laughs> uh don't care move yeah. on <laughs> it became popular throughout the 70s um and it led to a separate game called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. That's second edition. No, no, it's not. It's a. Well, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to go with the with Advanced what I read. Advanced D and D is normally just second edition. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something though. Like the popularity of this. Let's just move forward. Popularity of this 80s. 
it was the 80s that this really took off. Yeah. Um, so, and there's been so much with Dungeons and Dragons over the years. I mean, there's, of course, uh, you've told me and you've, uh, either there's regular gaming conventions where people just go and play Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. and the, the, conve Con. the conventions are huge. Um, we've had cartoons. We've had, uh, well, the cartoon that yeah. you've described, um, we've had other Dungeons and Dragons movies, which... Mm -hmm sucked but they exist um we've had movies that have this a, is better than those <laughs> oh yeah like sharkula was better than those but anyway <laughs> but like that's the thing is like it's had a um significant impact on pop culture it's featured in other movies like et it's features and featured in television shows like stranger things yeah. it has become part a huge part of the pop culture and pantheon. let me address that because i was there <laughs> uh during the 80s of course when this was popular and that's why we really got all of these fantasy films because fantasy was huge yeah it just became really huge but the culture between then and now has really shifted because then that was for nerds you were a nerd right and it wasn't just the nerds, because I think Stranger Things really got it right. You know, because uh, this is not a, a derogatory term. It was a nickname that we had for guys that were into metal and all that kind of stuff. They We called them hairbags because they were the fans of the hair bands. So that's why they were called that. That could be regional, but no insult was made. So you had, like, the hairbags that were playing this, and you had the nerds that were playing this, and... They kind of, it's kind of a weird melting pot of the two cultures in a way because uh, the nerds now had defenders in the hairbags, yeah. right? And there is this sort of rich thing that happened in the 80s that hasn't happened since where you had the metal bands like Rat and all that kind of stuff, right? Where they would actually, their music really fit these fantasy films and they fit nicely in with something like Dungeons and Dragons and you don't get that anymore and I lament that I miss that there's actually my brother knows a lot more about this than I do but there's actually like the bardic bardic metal bands and yeah, stuff like that now yeah. so there are a few that are starting to bring that back and oh, they're thank trying God. to like he he knows of one that he absolutely adores and they do just like D&D themed and the style and they're all yeah. they sound like bards but it's like metal but that's music, that's so. what made horror and fantasy so good in the 80s was that it was this great melting pot of all of this pop culture that was kind of outsider right and of course then you know uh let, let's get into this right now then you had the religious right that was trying to say that this that basically we called it the satanic panic everything was satan yeah, and that, I mean, we've seen that in a few series since, but I don't think it was that intense, like, for, for like, the 90s kids. But in the, in the 80s, it was all, yeah, everything's yeah. Satan, everything's... Because here, here's what it. happened. Dungeons & Dragons came along, was invented in 74, was kind of in the closet, people were finding it, exploded in the 80s, somehow went away, went back in the closet, went back a little underground again, and now it's coming back out in a big way. And yeah. I am kind of here for that. But I think some of that had to do with the satanic panic. You know, I think, uh, you know, because I remember being 
going to church and having lectures from my mother and basically stuff that she'd heard about this kind of stuff. Like somewhere there is this, I'm going to use Kiss as the example. Somewhere in the mythos, Kiss is supposed to stand for Knights in Satan's Service. It oh, I've heard that. does not. It does not. It simply stands for Kiss. That's it. Yeah. That is it. But but there again, you have Gene Simmons playing this character of the demon, right? Breathing fire, the tongue. One of the funniest things with the satanic panic kind of thing, my parents have been playing D&D since it came out <laughs> Your in 74. My dad is a member of um, the religious minister group. He was a monk. And played D and D with other monks, and they were the most bloodthirsty people I've ever heard of. Which always, whenever people are just like, "Oh, religious people didn't like it," I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like they loved pretending to kill. One of the characters you can play in D and D is a cleric. Yes, it's. So just think, just talking to your dad for a second. Your dad, your mom, and dad have the original white books. They. It's this 1976 edition. Yeah. So it was like the sixth or seventh printing. But yeah, we have them. They're upstairs. We have that. We have advanced the D&D 2. We have the third. We have 3.5. We skipped over four because four was garbage in our opinion. Yeah. And now we have five. There are things for parents to be concerned about. And this is what really kind of got me is that I'm thinking back. I'm going, so parents are concerned that we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, that we're doing all these satanic things which we weren't doing you know we instead of sitting there realizing where's johnny oh he's with chris and ted playing dungeons and dragons he's completely safe they're not on the streets they're not shooting up heroin they're not, they're not drinking themselves into blindness they're just playing a board game yep <laughs> i mean of all the things to be concerned about those were the things you need to be concerned about you know well, I, I remember well okay i don't remember but i know back in the 80s they had that advertisement it's 10 o'clock do, do you, you know, know where, where your children, children are? are yeah downstairs playing dungeons and dragons go away yeah. uh, but like that's the thing right like here is an organized game that takes hours to play and people are worried that their kids are going out and getting in trouble with this game yeah right like come the, on the only thing that dungeons and dragons could have maybe had a detrimental effect on might have been your gpa because you weren't doing your homework because you were building a camp that and eating too many snacks yeah <laughs> that's it which brings us to today they're still doing that yeah <laughs> but it, it's it's just amazing because let's talk about how this game is played. As I just mentioned, you you have to have a dungeon master who creates a campaign. You've, you've seen it on Big Bang Theory, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, uh, now, mind you, like, we're not going to be like Wallowitz and, you know, be like Al Pacino. It's like, you get to play D&D. You get to play D&D. <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to do those imitations. But, I mean, the way that it is structured, you have to, the dungeon master has to build a campaign and he has to basically be able to improvise because he doesn't know what dice are going to be rolled or what choices the characters are going to, the other players are going to make. So Ren has de uh, has DM'd a couple of my games now. Uh, I think they're a fantastic dun dungeon master. Um, I was trained by a really good DM. That's the only <laughs> way I did it. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, it, it's 
Uh, it's a lot of fun when you have a good dungeon master. Okay, so let's let's start from the start. So let's not worry about a dungeon master creating a campaign. We know that that has to happen. If we got into the minutia of how that happens, we'd be here for hours. So how do you actually play it as a player? Well, you got to create a character first, okay. which can take a while. But honestly, creating a character just because I'm I'm a creative person, I like to, I, it's my favorite aspect of the game is creating characters. Okay, what choices are there? Uh, you've got your... <laughs> there's so many choices. Give us you, a few. So you can choose your species, which includes human, half-orc, dwarf, all ne that ne stuff. Ne yeah, never mind species. Just... Then you've got the different classes. You've got your barbarian, you've got your cleric, you've got your... Um, uh, the, 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 the paladin, there we go, thank you. Um... All sorcerer, the, uh, sorcerer, wizard, yeah. warlock, bard, artificer. All the subgenres. Um, yeah, basically, and then there's Pikachu, Yoda. They're constantly. Ranger. There are Jedi ones. There's. They're constantly adding on new with all right. these new books and additions, and then there's the homebrew, and that's a whole other thing. And so basically, you pick a character. Yeah. Yeah. You and can you make roll, whatever you, you want, and you, you can actually buy little characters to paint. Oh yeah, right? like oh yeah, you great. can make them. That's become can, one of my new favorite hobbies. You can get them designed online on websites and oh. print them out. You can, um, you can buy them at all kinds of hobby stores. Like they're all over the place, or you can buy them pre-painted. So I went down an, an Etsy rabbit hole for D and D characters. <laughs> I found this walking shark t-rex monster that looks spectacular i found ones based off of beetlejuice ghostbusters power rangers i have to show you hero forge hero forge hero forge it's oh, okay. where you can make it and then you can either get them to print it or get the file and then a 3d printer can print it out for you that's awesome and you can do anything you can do for traveler you can do for modern stuff you can do for D D. you can do for for the un for the uninitiated traveler is D D in space it's like a living firefly episode it's wonderful and once again the gen xer has to rein the millennials back in <laughs> okay let's talk about the dice so dice dice there's there's a legitimate dice culture within the culture, right? So of you, Dungeons and Dragons. So you have we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. So you you have your character, and the characters make choices based on the dice. Yes. So they roll these dice. Now these dice, they're not like your typical six sided dice. No. No, they started out originally as the six sider, and then they've gone through a couple different sets. But now there's a standard seven that everyone uses. Um. Seven to nine, depending on the set that you and what buy. And what do they all stand for? Uh, so there's the D20, which is like your standard, just the, what you roll for everything. That's and your then, charisma, your uniqueness, your yeah, talent. That, <laughs> so you roll the die, you roll the 20-sider, and that basically says how well you did things. Right. Um, And then the other dice are used for damage, or the DM can be like, oh, roll a percentage. So you roll two 10-siders. It used to be... Two ten top siders. Now they actually have ones that are set up with like a six and a zero, and then you roll the other die for the for the so, ones so, columns. It sounds so complicated. Is it really that complicated? It's all no. written down. No. It's all it, written down. It sounds complicated. When I when I started playing, I was really really overwhelmed. But then I started playing. I'm like, oh no, this is actually fairly easy. As long as you have someone there, so, someone who's more experienced, to be yeah. like, yeah, this is what it means. Like I remember the first time I played Dungeons and Dragons with my then friends. I didn't know what I was doing. I was playing a magic user. I joined the campaign. And they were trying to instruct me how to do it. And I, we were in this really tight situation. And I rolled the dice. And I must have rolled it good because I laid waste to the beast. That was just... like I took it down by half of its points. And I'm just like, magic! 
Yes. Speaking of which, let, let's just go off on a little tangent here. Speaking of which, Dungeons and Dragons was so popular that I don't think without Dungeons and Dragons, like there were tons of board games that they put out in the 80s. Hero Quest, uh, The Dark Tower, which Orson Welles did a commercial for. Uh, just to name a couple of them. There were all kinds of these fantasy games. And then the card game that came along later, Magic. I mean, yeah. All of it is based on Dungeons and Dragons. Got and of it. course, Dungeons and Dragons is based on the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Yeah. In fact, to the point where in the first series, the first set, they would call them Hobbits and stuff. And then Tolkien got a hold of it, or Tolkien's estate, whichever one, got a hold of it and said, hey, you can't use that word, which is why halfling is now used. Right. And Ents are no longer used. They have to be something else. because Tree creatures. Yes. Yeah. Um, sh uh, shrubbery. So, yeah. A shrubbery. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the dice, of course, stand for your skill level, your wisdom, your... You use use the dice to help determine that, yeah. and then also just determine how well you do something in the game. Right. And so how much damage As you you're do. going through the game, the dungeon master then says you... He sort of paints the... He or she or they paints the picture for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you're coming up, and the dungeon master might say something like, you approach a citadel that has a, a closed porculus. What do you do? Roll initiative. Means that it's time to fight. <laughs> so why would you fight a closed door? Uh, well, it could be a mimic. There could be things jumping out at you. There could be things from above. It's it's all prep. Yep, yeah. it's all prep. Could well, like, be nothing, and the DM just wanted to mess with you. Um, the one the one that you had us do, uh, where it was basically a, a murder mystery type mm. thing, right? <laughs> yes. Oh no, this was it so was good. So good. It was so good. And it led into the basement, and there was this eldritch horror that was trying to kill us. And I wasn't expecting any of this. My attention has been got. I yeah. still have it. If you want to do it, we'll do it again. Yeah, it changes you, every time. Listen, it's been like, I was like, I think the last time I played D&D must have been like, well, it was certainly, you know, between 16 and 18, somewhere in there. So... Um, yeah, like if you guys want to reintroduce me to it, I'm down for it. Oh yeah, excellent. Um, but with going back to the whole dice culture thing, though, dice is well, there are dice out there that are basically like status symbols within the culture. Um, <laughs> when we when we went to uh, you can't call yourself a D and D fan if you don't have this status. Let me tell you, <laughs> um, when we were when we were at uh, Toronto Comic Con. There were dice sets there were like $50 to $400. Yeah. $400 yeah. for a dice? They're complaining about $1,000 for a, a computer system, but basically. But they're made out of gemstones. Yeah, you like don't the, the, roll them. You buy them, and then they look pretty. <laughs> and I want a set so bad. Okay, do you want a set more than you want to eat? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, see, like, I, I have I have my, my what I call my fire set, which is a little... Dice set that looks like it's on fire, and I'm very happy with that. It cost me 13 bucks, yeah, and I don't need anything else. And Ren got me a little dice bag, this Ninja Tur Ninja Turtles dice bag, and I'm very happy. But there are <laughs> people out there that just collect dice. You're getting so excited. Be careful. You might smack the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listeners, because it's not visual. We have uh, Ren's dog here, Sadie. She's she's taking a nice nap in a Spider-Man blanket, and Nick almost cuffed her because his hands are just flailing. <laughs> All over the place, but like 
some of these, like, uh, there's bone sets that you can get. Not made of actual bone, but... That'd be cool if it were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, like, you can get them made of actual bone, yeah. Oh, but, like, some, like, there, there's metal sets you can get. There's all sorts of different... You, you mentioned the gem sets. Like, there's so many different ways... You can ways. get ones with spinny things inside. You can get ones that have glitter inside. You can get ones with... I got some with mushrooms. Glow in the right. dark. I have glow yeah. in the dark ones. Um, there's, I, there, was yeah. ones that ha- there was ones I saw that had, like, little tiny stones inside them. Like, there's they're, they're, they're really creative with the dice that they can make. Now, one of my favorite ones that uh, a friend of mine had back in college was the hundred side dice. No. This thing was legitimately a ball with numbers all over it. Um and it was that thing that was I now that was a status symbol. That thing could roll forever. Yeah. It has little ball bearings in it. So that's how it stops. Oh okay. Because otherwise it will it's basically a circle. A, a yeah. ball. It'll roll wow. forever. But yeah, it was it was pretty neat, and they are rare. They are rare. I, they don't make them very I'm often. pretty sure that most fantasy role playing games have all started with D D. Well, like even um, so, just going back to how it's influenced other board games. I have a Ghostbusters game that is basically a mini D and D campaign. Yeah, I remember you like cracking that thing open at uh, what was it a New Year's Eve party or yeah. Christmas party that we were having with yeah. and Lindsay and Jared had their restaurant. And let me tell you, like Nick had to sit in the corner and read this novel of instructions to try and explain how to play the game. And we're just like, just give it up, man. <laughs> yeah, there's. Most, Should have read those before I came. <laughs> uh, most systems use the D20 just because that's what people know from D&D. Yeah. But, I mean, GURPS started out... So GURPS is a whole other system for, like, the Traveler stuff. They use a lot of the D6s, and they went to D20s, and then they went back to 10. Like, they flipped around. The Fate system uses a totally different type of dice that are just pluses and minuses. Um, and then Call of Cthulhu uses... I might, 10-siders, I might be wrong, sorry. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu, it's all set normally in the 20s or the 40s, Diesel Pub. Um, yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm so in! <laughs> okay, okay, I'm calm now, I'm calm. Are you Ren, sure? Yes, I, 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 that, that just excited me way too much. Uh, Ren, we have a special shout-out, speaking of the dice. Yeah, so speaking of dice, there's this guy who comes to a lot of the conventions he'll be around southern ontario for most of the year uh he is dan the dice guy you can find him on danthedicegui.com or on facebook and twitter and he has so many types of dice he has just bins that you can just sort through and find whatever you want he has 24 ciders 30 ciders occasionally 100 ciders and then of course all the sets that you might need for any of your D&D or tabletop game uses. Dan, thank you for promoting Area 51 and a half. Oh my <laughs> goodness, this is this is exciting because I, I just keep going back to my teenage years, right? And it's just, it's kind of amazing how this really innocuous little thing was so divisive, you know? Like you, you had to sort of, play it and your parents weren't sure what you were doing and the preppies were like yes, that's a nerd and the only place you could get stuff was pretty much at a comic book store you know and I, let me tell you comic book stores back then did not look anything like you see on the big bang theory oh no they were like these because the, the margins on selling comic books is not large so they were usually like 
here in, in where we live, there was a, a store called The Book Bin. It was a used bookstore. And there was a corner that uh, the guy, Brian, had rented from the bookstore. And on Saturdays, he was there to sell comics. And from there, it kind of expanded when a fellow by the name of John Mills took over. And he moved it into one of those small uh, stores on Ross Street just to expand a little bit. For a time, my brother even ran it. He actually bought it off of Brian, and then John Mills bought it off my brother. Because a teenager can't run a store like that. Um, but, I mean, so that's where you had to go. And they had, like, here here were your choice of Dungeons & Dragons dice. You want blue, green, red? <laughs> yeah. When I was growing up, so my parents played tabletop games since before I was born. So going to gaming conventions was a normal summer activity for me. Um, and it was, if you wanted dice sets, you had to make your own. Yeah. So I have a whole entire dice bag of just my dice from when I was younger than 10, believe it or not. And it was a lot of just weird stuff and none of them matched, none of them fit together, but there was a whole set of D&D dice in there somewhere. And that's how I played my games because you couldn't buy a set. And of course the internet was not like selling on the internet was not a thing. Anymore. Yeah. So but you know, it's, it's a big change. It's really fascinating when you talk about the changes because you just showed me like your metal dice, you know, and I was just talking about like plastic ones that had nothing special about them. They didn't even have sparkles on them. It was just like, what color do you want? Here you go. Set of dice. Bye. You know, you have to go raid your monopoly game. For yeah. A set of dice. Um, there you go. And, and it's interesting because, you know, like I said, the whole satanic panic, the subversiveness of it, the playing it underground, playing it wherever you could, wherever, whoever's parents were cool enough to not think you were worshiping Satan, um, you know, versus when you move forth, there's always been that kind of pushback on anything to do with magic like that. Because I remember when the Harry Potter series first came out, there was like a religious right mother's like, this is evil because they're wizards and they're doing magic. It's like you realize that they're doing magic for good and nobody's worshiping Satan and it's this whole allegory for World War II and the Holocaust, right? Pokemon. Pokemon had the same thing because Pokemon included evolution. <laughs> not really evolution in, in, in the way that we know it. Yeah. But I want to so. make it clear that we are not anti-religion here. What we're saying is don't be stupid with it. Educate yourself, learn what you're discussing, and then make a judgment on yeah. it. Yeah, you can have all the faith you want, but don't come at your kids because they're playing a game. Yeah, so <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about kind of the impact that D&D has had on people versus other games. The thing about D&D is you eventually have to walk away from it. You have to walk away from the table because you're sitting there playing with friends. You don't all live together, and you have lives. Saturday night's over, time to go home. No, when you're but, a teenager on the weekend, you have no life. <laughs> well, okay, fair. But <laughs> now you look at games like World of Warcraft, as you mentioned to me yeah. off uh, off air. Yeah. There are people that live not just for this game, but live on this yeah, game. They, they get far more immersed in that than we would. Because like there, there were Dungeons & Dragons clubs at school. So you could play either after school or on your lunch break. You can't get into a really good campaign like that yep. on a lunch break. So the D and D club at zipper school right now. Yeah. So yeah, it's still a yeah. thing, but I mean like that's what the weekends kind of were for, you know, yeah. like you would go over to your buddy's house, you would do the campaign. Pro there's probably something that you, you would watch on TV first, but like you would have like 
these massive sleepovers to play like Dungeons and Dragons because that's what you were going to do all Saturday long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like just you, you, you've referred to me as a hardcore gamer. Now I don't see myself as a hardcore gamer because I can't compared to me compared yeah. to you. Yes. But like, I can't sit there and compared I used to, I used to be able to sit there and play a game for like 14 hours on, with with no stopping, but you grew I up. Can't, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I just don't have the patience for it. Well, mind I, you, though, compared to me, a five year old's a hardcore gamer. So. Yeah, <laughs> but like that—that's the thing. Is like other there are other games out there that have come in and kind of taken the role that people perceived Dungeons and Dragons had on people. The influence that it had, yeah, on because you see that marriage of the video game and the fantasy realm, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I only had an Atari. It was basically, I mean, it was worse graphics than Minecraft, you know, and you played with the joystick and the one button and yay, and then your brother takes it apart and you never forgive him for it. Um, but as graphics progressed and as video game systems progressed, it seemed like a natural fit to yeah. have things that were well, I mean, kind of inspired by the D&D realm. You, you've you got a whole bunch of MMORPGs out there, massively multiplayer online role-playing games. Yeah. Um, I play Star Trek Online, which is uh, based off of the Neverwinter system, uh, which, of course, is directly based off of Dungeons & Dragons. That is a Dungeons & Dragons video game. Yeah. Um, you've got, of course, World of Warcraft, Warhammer, all sorts of different things. And it gets really easy to just lose yourself in this world because it's not, you're not with Dungeons and Dragons. You're using your imagination to like when I play most of the time I sit there with my eyes closed because I'm imagining everything that's happening. But with, with video games, you don't have to imagine it's there. You're watching it. But what's really neat. And we, we see this here with, with Ren and their folks where they have the little models and you can actually set up, great looking things and you can visualize the campaign which was kind of the the idea behind hero quest yeah and uh there was one called wizards and warriors i think where you had and that was the whole idea between the dark tower like let me talk about the dark tower because that one you're the dungeon master basically becomes the dark tower and there's this four of you and you have to lay siege to the dark tower and it, it would you press the buttons because it's one of those great electronic games of the 80s and it would spin around and it would tell you what you were going to encounter or not encounter. And and so to actually take that next step from evolution from it just being paper, like graph paper and dice into electronics and visuals and models and all that kind of stuff, I think is really fantastic. And then there's LARPing, which is a whole other world. Live action role playing, Vampire the Masquerade, the Under Underworld, I believe, is the one that's around here. It's all D&D. You go for an entire weekend. You camp over. You stay in character, ready to go. Like, I've heard of, like, middle-of-the-night attacks. And you have to be ready. Grab with your stuff. Grab your buffer weapons that are made out of pool noodles and shoot arrows at people. You know, the funny thing is, I was telling Nick while we were on a, a brief break, which you'll never hear there, folks in listening land, uh, that I actually did that with Chris and Ted. We actually did a... a we we decided that we were going to go down to the the park and we were going to do uh, an actual campaign where we dressed up as our characters and off we went and then it started to storm and we had to come home. But yep, now they do it in the storms. Yeah. And like you get the like I have a set of latex ears that are made spe specifically for LARPs. You can wear them all weekend without 
uh, damaging your skin yeah, and, you underneath. Know, but, but that kind of gets into the fact one of Tom Hanks's first movies was Maze, which was basically based on all this Dungeons and Dragons. And the whole idea behind this character is that he he's losing his mind because he's having a hard time distinguishing between fantasy and reality. And it's a really kind of an incredible film if you can ever watch it. I'm not saying it's a great film because it was really low budget and Tom Hanks wasn't the star at the time. Um, I don't even think he was in Bosom Buddies at the time. No, no, he wasn't. Um, so, I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's interesting to see because, again, that movie kind of comes out of the whole idea of, like, what is this thing that our kids are playing and into? Yeah. But, which I... I Listen, it was a more innocent time. I kind of get it. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything to go on except, you know, people's words. There was still religion going on. So I kind of get it. I mean, we're talking about demons and succubuses and succubi, all kinds of things, right? So, uh, you know, I I, I guess... Uh, I can understand how people saw it that way. Yeah. And, and I just don't oh, understand how nowadays they see it that way. They're people, just not educating themselves. Yeah, the, the, basically people are scared of what they don't understand. And that's what it comes down to. They just, they they see a game that is about taking on demons and monsters and they just don't get it. I don't understand you and I, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> I hate you. The stink eye. The st- there, there's going to be a stank on me for a while now from that one. <laughs> but just, just going back to LARPing for a second because I... I uh, several years ago, a friend of mine invited me to go LARPing and I, I was on the precipice of going, I was, I was nearly there, but they mentioned there was a big communal fire pit with a grill on it. That's where they do the cooking. I'm like, I'm not into that. I'm not doing that. That sounds terrible. But, um, there are some really great movies and I'm honestly going to say great movies about LARPing. Two of them that come to mind is Role Models with Sean William Scott, a hilarious film, and <laughs> Knights of Badassdom with uh, Peter <laughs> Dinklage. Um, both not both. necessarily for minors. No, no, no. Uh, definitely, that one is a that's a horror comedy. Um, I love that movie so much. It's so funny, and that's kind of the thing. Is like I like when they make movies and TV shows about this type of stuff, and they lean into the comedy of it because again. For me, an enjoyable campaign. I don't like playing it seriously. I like having fun. So just going back to the original D&D on that kind of same thought, you have different things that are based off of. Like earlier we talked about movies and the cartoon, but there's even other shows uh, like uh, and books and whatnot, like Critical Role, like Adventure Zone, that people have taken their own adventures in D&D and adapted them into TV shows and books, yeah. which I think is really, really fantastic. Well, yeah, like, I remember as a kid, I used to really like, they're not really D&D, but I, it's kind of based on the same idea. The book's called Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah, you know. yeah, um, which is a Canadian invention, actually, which I love. So, um, but even, it, there's even an entire site of TikTok that is D&D TikTok. Uh, one of the guys I follow is Roll for Sandwich, where he literally, his whole shtick, is he uses the D&D dice to decide what's going to be his sandwich. So he rolls for his bread type, <laughs> he rolls for his meat, his sauce, his veggie, all that stuff. And I think that's really cool. Sometimes it's really awful. Like, he shows himself eating this stuff. Sometimes it's not good, but whatever. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, they did an episode of Big Bang Theory. It wasn't D&D related, but Sheldon just uses dice to make all of his choices. And I remember it because he goes, and now I'm going to... 
stay right here. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do remember that episode too. But like, and yeah, there's restaurants where you can go and you can roll dice to decide your burger. You know, I, I am very, very, very mildly obsessive compulsive on certain things. Um, one of the things is, uh, gentle listeners, aliens. I am a germaphobe that comes from working in home health care as I did. Um, <laughs> sidebar, just got over my germophobia because I got out of doing home health care and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so that'll teach me. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know that I would be comfortable rolling dice to choose my food. Fair, fair. Fair. Um, but yeah, like that's, I think I, I like that. I, w- I would love to try something like that just because it'd be fun for me. I like that. But I'd be willing to try it, but I, it's money is so hard come by that to be afraid. I would be so afraid of giving something that I would well, absolutely so di- be distasteful. The one place that I go, it's a sheet and you can fill it out and it's like, oh, I can't have that because I'm allergic or I just really don't like it. You can change it. It's okay. not like you're stuck with it. But there's a sheet, and then you get to name the burger and everything. Oh, and then cool. when it comes out, they have a little, like, sign and a little name tag right. in it and stuff. I'm down. One of the other things I want to talk about as far as the Indian pop culture is there is a huge amount of celebrities that play this game. A massive amount. Now, this is going to be interesting because you mentioned this just before we started the podcast, and you weren't going to tell me the celebrities because you said that there's a celebrity on there One of that you want to see my reaction yeah. to. So this is a short list. This is a fraction of the people I found. Leaving out this. the critical role people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so to start the list off, Drew Barrymore. Okay, I can see now, that. Uh, you, 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 you have people that you sit there and go, yep, I know this person plays D&D. So you got Stephen Colbert and Terry Crews. I didn't know yep. Stephen Colbert played D and D. He is, D- he is a massive Lord nerd. Is nerd he? ever. Oh, he, awesome. He's got a cameo in The Hobbit. Yeah. Was it The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings? He was cameo. The in? Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. He's the biggest Lord of the Rings. That's nerd. awesome. It's he's hilarious. a giant nerd. Um, this is the one. Dame Judi Dench. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, that's not a, that's not where I thought he was going. I thought he was going to be choosing like somebody. That I really am, am hey, excited. Hey, I, I saw that. I'm like, wow. That's... Yeah, I know. But I, I thought it was going to be somebody like that really speaks to me. That I'd be like, no. You know, but it's like, I, well, there, there in is, a way, I can kind of see it. There's a couple others. You know I why I can see it? Because uh, from what I've seen of Dame Judy Dench is that she's really um, a, a really wonderful grand, as they call them in, in Britain, grandmother to her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And she does these things where her grandson will... Zoom call or whatever. They, I think they started doing it during the pandemic where it's say, hey, Gran, and he'd tell her um, a joke, like a riddle. Like, what? And she'd go, no, just a minute. And she'd figure it out. And he's like, every time. And he can't fool her. So I can see her. Uh, I can actually see that. Now, another big player, pun intended, is the big show from WWE. I knew that. Yep. Yeah. Um, Vin Diesel. And you mentioned... Uh, Vin Diesel did the, pre- the forward of the... D&D 5th edition. Yeah, that's awesome. So he has a whole big page. I can never pronounce his name. The guy, the guy from uh, True Blood played the the, the werewolf Joe, Ma- Joe Mangiello. Yeah. yeah, I can never pronounce that last yeah, name. He's another one that plays that. And he's got a TV show coming out as he's well. He's doing the Dragonlance. That's awesome. Um, 
John Favreau, which doesn't surprise no, me at not, all. No surprise no. there. I'm pretty sure that him and Dave Filoni are just playing Star Wars D&D and just adapting that <laughs> into The Mandalorian. Yes. Um, James Gunn, of course. Of course, James Gunn plays. Dwayne Johnson. Now, here's another one that I think will get your attention. Kind of, I kind of expected it, but Stephen King. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little. A little. Maybe, maybe, a little. That, maybe that surprises me a little. I mean, to an extent, no for me, because he integrated, he of course integrated D&D and E.T., but he's also a master storyteller. I can imagine Steven Spielberg being the best DM that ever No, oh no, out of everyone that you listed, it's like, wouldn't that be just awesome to have Stephen King be your dungeon master? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would survive. And the the biggest surprise, the, the, the biggest surprise that I found on this list of famous Dungeons & Dragons players... I was so shocked. Will Wheaton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. 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 He, like, he was practically the, the other starring member of Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Shut I know, up. I know, I know. So, yeah, that, that is just a small, that's just a fraction of the list they, I found. They actually did an episode like that with some of these actors where they were playing, uh, uh, I don't know if it was Dungeons & Dragons that they were playing, but they were playing a game with all these other celebrities, and uh, William Shatner was there, and... Uh, Joe Manganiello. I can't. I Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. I will get that. No offense, Joe, if you're listening. I, 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 I'm missing a couple teeth. What do you want from me? And Joe, Joe Manganiello. Joe, if you're listening, go ahead and slide into our DMs. All right. Um, another name though. Uh, I want I, Stephen King to slide into the DM. I know, right? Uh, Anderson Cooper also plays, oh. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, see, now that one is a little bit surprising because Anderson Cooper is a, a stoic journalist, right? Yeah. Like, very serious in, in his job. And, you know, we often forget when we see celebrities that, you know, they're people too and that they like to have their fun and downtime and hang with their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and another one, uh, although he's passed and I really miss him, Robin Williams, of course, by oh. D&D. I, I would like to think if he was still alive, he probably would have got that uh, Hugh Grant role. In the movie, but anyway, I. God. But it makes sense uh, though. Like, incredible. Huge, huge, huge Legend of Zelda fan named his daughter Zelda. Of course, he's in the Dungeons and oh, Dragons. Oh yeah, surprise yeah. me at all. Well, on that note, folks, that is all the time that we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half. Nick, reminder aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Clapper at the Area 51H, and you can find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a Half. Don't forget to like follow and subscribe and check us out on YouTube by looking for area 51 and a half. Thank you for joining us on our landing pad aliens for Ren, Nick and spooky uncle John. We are signing off from area 51 and a half.